Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Nikki Ogden, team member of the Happy Hour podcast. Due to an unexpected crisis, Jamie is going to be delaying her book publicity and tour. She's also going to take a break from social media, public appearances, and recording new shows at this time. We want to give her space to process, discern, and recover. We are so incredibly thankful for the community that Jamie has built here at the Happy Hour, and we know that you want to share your love and support for her. The best way that you can do that is by listening to this pre-recorded show and sharing this episode with a friend. We're so thankful for you. Christy, welcome to the happy hour. Jamie, it's so good to see you. I cannot wait for our conversation today. Well, this is super exciting for a couple of reasons. I want to give you a little backstory, okay? So we met in person last year at the Kerygma Conference, and that was the first time we'd met in person. Am I right? That's right. Yeah. The first and only time. The first and only. Unfortunately, there has to be more. But this is what I want to say about you is I knew who you were. I, I, I had heard your name a million times. I knew that you were this smart Bible teacher. I knew that I loved every time I actually heard your voice teaching me before I actually met you. And so I just want to say that when I met you, it was one of the highlights of my weekend. So I was so oh. glad to meet you. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Thank you. So great. So great. Okay. I have a couple questions. First of all, I need you to introduce yourself and tell me like what you do and how long you've been doing and how did you get into it? Yeah. So I am a lover of the scriptures. And so anything Bible, I'm a Bible nerd. I always say that. Um, this very month, I'm starting my 20th year of teaching Bible in the wow. biblical department at Williamson College here in Middle Tennessee. Um, I serve on the teaching team at my church. Um, so the Bible here, there, and airware, Jamie Ivey. That's what I love I- it. And in 2007, the Lord opened up the door for me to go study the Bible in Egypt and Israel. And I tell people all the time, I went to Israel and learned that the living God is better than I ever knew. Mm. And so I've been taking teams to Israel since 2008. Um, it is my favorite space um, to experience the scriptures. I'm always telling people we never simply read the Bible. We interact with it. It's mm. living and active. And so are we. And so as we're getting into it, there's no better place to experience the text than in its incarnational spaces mm. and places. And so I love to be a bridge between the Western church and the worlds and lands and history and culture of the Bible. Um, I think often that I'm so grateful that I know what my life is meant to be aimed at and toward Mm. and to be able to give myself all of my tributaries flowing into the Nile River. If it's anything about Israel, it gets a yes for me. I'll just tell you that. So it's as simple as that. It's my core passion. 
I love it so much. Well, I um, have actually never been to Israel, and I was supposed to go this June of 2024, and the and the trip was postponed yeah. um, for reasons that we all know that what's sure. happening in um, the Middle East. And so I have this yearning inside of me as well to get to Israel. And also, Christy, since I've seen you last, I've started seminary. Oh, uh, so, no way. Yes. So oh, I have started seminary. I, I just started actually when we're recording this, I started my second semester uh, yesterday at Denver Seminary in a cohort. And I'm so excited about our conversation today because one of the things that I heard over and over and over again my first semester at school was that we have to remember that the Bible was not written to us here in America in 2024, that there were actual recipients of these letters, and then it gets to be written that we correct me here, but I, I would think I would say it correctly. And if this it wasn't written to us, but for us, would you yes. say that? That's it's well said. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I think my head has started to understand that more in the last decade. But I still think that it is a struggle for all of us to remember that, okay? And so if that's something that is important, I want you to tell me why. Well, you have a book that came out last year called Rediscovering Israel. It's a a fresh look at God's story in its historical and cultural context. As American women, which I have listeners all over the world, but majority American women, why is it important that this matters to us, that we think about the context? So it's a great question. And I would say this, all language makes sense in context. Mm-hmm. All language, not just the language of the Bible. It's what are we saying? Who are we saying it to? What's going on when we're saying it? If I say 9-11 to you, mm-hmm. you know exactly what that means. If yeah. we say October 7th right now, we know what that means for mm-hmm. people over in Israel. But can you imagine a people 2,000 years from now living over in modern day China? Who knows what the world will be like, what languages will be spoken? And they're studying history and they're studying America 2,000 years ago. And they come across a line that mentions 9-11. Do you think any mm-hmm. of them will know what that means? Mm-mm. They won't know it, mm-hmm. but we know it. And, and that's an example that I use often. The biblical authors are writing to specific people at specific places and specific times. And it's not that the Bible is simply ancient because it's also living and active. It's on the move right now. Where's mm-hmm. the word of the Lord? It's traveling the earth, right? The kingdom mm-hmm. of God is coming down to the ground. But just like the more time I spend with you, get to know you in your world, it's going to help me understand when you say things, what you mean by them. Mm. And so for us, I think as honest handlers of the Holy Writ and the Holy Scriptures, it's to respect its origins Mm. that we might benefit and gain as a modern Western American, I will say Greco-Roman. We're way more Greco-Roman than we are Jewish and Hebraic. We're more Mm -hmm. Athens and Rome than we are Jerusalem. And so it bridges that gap in the same way. If you say something to me as new friends, and I don't know what you mean, I'm Mm -hmm. like, man, what is that? Y'all say that in Texas? What's (laughs) right? No, like you've got to like school me on that. Uh You know? Yeah. So like, I know for you, like high school football, what, you know, we don't quite do it that way here. Right. 
And so there's there there's culture even mm-hmm. between us as modern American women mm. that from time to time I need to understand the context of where you are to understand what you're saying to me. Yeah. And so Word of God is exhaustive. It is endless. We're never going to get our hands around it. It is greater than us. It is larger than us. And so it's this beautiful invitation for us to perpetually feast Mm. on the greatest story that's ever been told. You know, if you think about it, it blows my mind when I think in the mind and heart of God, he ever designed to give us a Bible. Like a father writing the best and truest story ever told and giving it to his children. And we're now the ones taking in the word of the Lord and moving throughout the earth with it, agreeing with Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. We want to see heaven come down to earth. We want to be spirit filled and word informed. And so if we're going to be word informed, we've got to take the text respectfully where it begins and then take that journey to seeing what it means for us today. That long answer. I told you I'm a Bible nerd. I love it, Christy. That's why I wanted to talk to you. You know, I think about it as I think about the women who are listening, and I think that they're, they might be thinking one of two things. I think some people might be going, well, this just feels like a lot of work. Like, like, do we need to take history classes? I thought I was just going to read my Bible for my quiet time in the morning. That's and right. so for that person who's thinking, I don't even know how to do this. Christy's a professor. She loves the Bible. Jamie's in school. What does it look like for the woman who is working, you know, as a teacher or as a stay-at-home mom? How how do the quote unquote normal not Bible professor nerds dig into this oh. so that we don't fall into some of those pitfalls of not seeing it through the correct lens? Oh, it's such a great question. So I had a mentor once that talked about. When it comes to the people of God in the Bible, you have diggers and you have haulers. And the way she defined it, diggers would be you and me. We get really excited and our lives are shaped in a way that we have time and capacity to really get in there. You've started seminary. I spent three years at Dallas Seminary, time in Egypt and Israel, and teachers are learners. And so you, I know that you would know that. So what I would say is we're the diggers. We're the ones mm-hmm. who are going to get in there. Are you kidding me? I've never said no to a history class in my entire life. I'm a history nerd. I love it. I realize everybody doesn't. So I'm going to be a digger. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be that person in this world studying perpetually, growing and learning in these things, and then providing resources for people who are haulers. So mm-hmm. I'm a digger. Somebody's going to pick up Rediscovering Israel or some other book about the Bible in its cultural context. There's so many different authors out there. And then they're going to take that in. So we put in the work to dig it. And then we put it. People are going to get it. And then they haul it. They end mm-hmm. up sharing small groups, teaching it to their kids, giving it away in their neighborhoods, in their communities. And so I always say, it's all about knowing how God has built you to represent the kingdom within the family of God. Mm. And so for me, you know, I think I wrote uh, when I was filling out the questionnaire for your podcast, there was a question, what do you hate talking about? And I think I said something like, I'm a total zero when it comes to fashion, anything relevant, anything cool. I have nothing to contribute to that conversation. You don't want to ask me. Right. There's so many things in this life. I don't cook don't know how to drive in the snow. There's so many things I don't know how to do. And I honestly have no interest in learning. Mm -hmm. So it 
shows me some of who God's created me to be and my contributions that I am that nerd. I am that historian. I am that professor. I am that pilgrim. I am that traveler and I am that bridge. And I'm more than willing, along with so many others, to be that. Mm. And that's my part to play. But for people who aren't given to that, it's all about you being you, absolutely you, truthfully, authentically you in this world. And we're going to have our diggers. We're going to have our haulers. And in some way, we're the family of God seeing heaven come down to the ground. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Well, in case anyone's wondering, Christy, you put me in the digger pile, in the digger area, and I just want to say I'm digging behind you. Any scraps you feel are, are you already a no, you've already seen this dirt before, you pass it on to me, and I'm going to read it. So that's where I feel about that. I want to ask you this as I listen to you talk about how important it is to really know the context and the cultural background of we're reading. I'll say the Gospels, and you can, if you don't want to deal with the Gospels, you can say someplace else. But as we're reading the Gospels, and maybe it's because it's on my mind, this is what I have to read for my class this year, Jesus and the Gospels by uh, Dr. Craig Blomberg. So I'm reading that right now. And as we think about reading the Gospels, where are some things that we could get wrong when we only view the text through our lens of where we live right now? You know, one of the first things, it's not so much that we get it wrong, and I try to be quick to say that. It's it, For me, at least, it's not, I don't want to frame things and right or wrong. It's more, you know, when you go to the eye doctor and mm-hmm. he puts things in front of you and he's yes. clicking and he's like, can you see? And you're like, no, it's still fuzzy. That's what I feel like this mm. conversation around. It's not a right wrong. We are a Western people living in our day and time. And Acts 17 would say God predetermined that for us. Mm -hmm. 
So we're not wrong, but there is a way to approach the scriptures in such a way that there's a clicking happening, that we're getting a little bit closer, a little bit clearer in our understanding. And so the first example that comes to my mind is just as a Western people living here, we don't think about geography as theology in the Bible. It's Mm -hmm. not just what Jesus did, it's where he did it. So Mm -hmm. when we're reading cities like Capernaum and, you know, Bethsaida, and other, you know, Jerusalem, we know it's over there. Maybe we've seen it on a map. Mm-hmm. But man, when you read the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, place is sacred. It is the God doing his thing in time and space. And I'll just give you a quick, like, nerdy example. It's one of my favorite things to teach when I take people to Israel. But you think the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. 2,000 years ago, Jesus is a Galilean sage and rabbi. He is a rabbi to the north. It sounds like something out of Lord of the Rings. You have the district of Samaria, and then below that, you've got Judea with Jerusalem. And so the Sea of Galilee, the western side was the Jewish side, the good side, the Torah side, the synagogue side. The eastern side of the Sea of Galilee is the Gentile side. It was a region mm-hmm. known as the Decapolis. Deca means 10. Polis means city. It was a region called the Ten Cities, and it's the kingdom of darkness. It is Gentile in a word. It's Vegas. You go to the eastern side to lose yourself. Um, Scholars will tell you in the parable of the, the prodigal son that when he went to a far country, he probably went there. Wow. So not that far, but so different. That's right, because the Sea of Galilee is 12 miles north to south, seven west to east. So mm-hmm. you can literally look over and see the eastern side, but you are talking about two completely different worlds. And so who is Jesus and what is he like in the Gospels? Man, he's the one that tells his disciples, hey, get in the boat. We're getting ready to go to the other side. Mm-hmm. Now, we read that and we're like, cool, Jesus mm-hmm. is taking guys to the other side. But Jamie, I'm telling you, a rabbi of Israel, in that world, you don't go to the other side of the lake. Wow. You don't take your Talmudim. You don't take these righteous Torah observant, synagogue loving way of the Lord Jewish boys over to the kingdom of darkness. You don't take them to Vegas. I guarantee you, Matthew, John, they're all falling out. Like our parents are never going to sign the permission slip. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like ever, there's no way. And what does Jesus do? He is the light of the world who Mm -hmm. is never afraid to go into the darkness. He takes them over to the other side of the lake. Again, we're like, whatever. But in that world, this is just lightning rod, electric kingdom of God, invading empire stuff. Mm -hmm. And the very first person Jesus meets is the demoniac, the guy that is so overthrown by evil, even Vegas can't handle him. He is living in chains and all of this. And the people have just completely written him off. He's the darkest of dark. So when we're reading this in its world 2000 years ago, here's Jesus, the light of the world, interacting with the worst dude, the kingdom of darkness even has to like give him. And we know the story. There's the 2000 pigs. But Jamie, what I love, and I'm trying to go fast here. Again, you're asking a Bible nerd, Bible question. (laughs) Go. But I love when it talks about that Jesus put that man, he dressed him and put him in his right mind. 
Mm-hmm. And that when the people from the Vegas, when the people in the Decapolis came and saw him dressed and in their right mind, you think how you would feel. Mm-hmm. Some crazy dude that's so evil, he lives among the tombs. You have to chain him up. He's so like strong and violent. And all of a sudden you see him dressed and in his right mind. Like what's your emotion? What just happened? Like what, like, what happened? And it says that the people were terrified. Mm. Like holiness had come upon them in a way they had never experienced it. The kingdom of God had come. Jesus Mm -hmm. is constantly saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Jamie, here's where the story gets gospel gorgeous. This preaches to you, me, this preaches to everybody, everywhere, wherever you are. This demoniac made well, he asked Jesus, can I go back with you? Like, I want to go over to the Western side of the lake. I want to go over to the good side. I want to get out of this kingdom of darkness. It has ravaged my life. And we're all expecting kind Jesus to be like, well, of course, I want you out of the kingdom of darkness. Get in the boat. We'll teach you like Torah songs and Uh things like that on the way back over. And Jesus says, no, go back to your home and your family. In other words, stay in Vegas, go back to your home, your family and your people in Vegas and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Wow. This is Jamie and I'm almost done. This is why I'm saying like text in context, geography is theology. Four chapters later, that story's in Mark four and five. Four chapters later in Mark chapter eight, Jesus tells his disciples again, hey, boys, we're getting ready to go to the other side of the lake. They're all falling out. We're not going to get these permission slips signed. They go over and this time 4,000 people are waiting to meet Jesus. It's the miraculous story of the feeding of the 4,000. That happened in the kingdom of darkness. That happened in the Decapolis. And my question for you is how do 4,000 people living in Vegas in the kingdom of darkness that don't even know about Moses, Torah, synagogue, Jesus, anything, how do they know about Jesus? It's because that demoniac made well, went home, told his family, and now 4,000 people are waiting to meet Jesus, who again, as the light of the world, has never been afraid to go in the darkness. And Jamie, here's where it gets so real for you and me, sis, like followers of Jesus in this world, Jesus is showing us something. Mm. That we are meant to be right where we are, plant our two feet in the ground as women who have been clothed and put in our right mind, saved through faith in Jesus, tell our stories so that a people lost know what somebody looks like who's been found. Somebody in chaos knows what it's like for somebody that's found order in their suffering and in that, that a people who are without hope see a people with hope. And they're seeing the kingdom of God embodied in the people of God. So that's like the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask that question. If you don't know the other side of the lake and what all that means, we tend to miss like yeah. the electricity of the kingdom of God and the person of Jesus in these stories. And every gospel story, Jamie, pretty much reads like this. Yeah, yeah. I- what's really going on 2,000 years ago, and that Jesus is inviting us into things like this. This is what's going on. We read these stories to learn how to embody them in our own lives. Mm, you know, it's so good, Chrissy. We could, okay, end of podcast. We're done. Thank you for the sermon. Let's <laughs> carry on. So right. good. And I had to, I had to just put on, that just came out of my spirit. I had to give that. 
Well, I'm so glad that it did. Thank you that. And that is like, you know, I've been following Jesus since I was 21. I'm 45 and have done discipleship at my church, have done some training. And then I'm like, I want to go back to school. And the reason I want to go back to school is I know the right answer is because I want to know God more. And that is true. And I want intimacy. That is all true. And also I'm like, I just don't know these things about the word of God that I want to know so that he becomes more real to me. So that when I read Mark 4 and 5 and then later in 12, wherever that is, that I go, oh, this means something different because I know what the Sea of Galilee looks like. So I got it gets me so, so, so excited. I wanna I wanna talk to you about this. A lot of people will read the Bible and think to themselves, okay, what is this teaching about me? What is this teaching about me? And so can you talk to us about how this is the wrong thing to be at? Well, you said there's no right or wrong. So I'll let you phrase it how you want to say it. But this might be the might be the best way to be reading scripture for ourselves. Yeah. So we'll go with the more helpful. Let's try okay. that. I would contend something I learned in Israel. And again, growing up here in the West, I was raised to read the Bible and go immediately to application. What does this teach me about me? What does this mean for me? But for the Jewish people, when they interact with the Bible, their first question is very different. It's not, what does it teach me about me? It's, what does this teach me about who God is? What he's like? What it's going to mean to follow him? And I often joke with people, you know, if you stare at yourself for too long, you'll get depressed. You know what I mean? Mm. But stare at God, it will like quicken you. It's the difference in going in and down and looking up and out. And I would humbly contend that every story in the Bible is about God. It Mm. is our Father showing us through story who He is, what He's like, what it's going to mean for us to walk with Him, to be part of the family of God, citizens of the kingdom of God. Well, what is the King like? Mm. Right. And so for me, that one thing has revolutionized my understanding of the scriptures, my enjoyment of the scriptures is that kind of a lens that makes me read the Bible. And just it just makes me want to run through a brick wall. I'm just like, man, what is the mission for me today? Because Mm. you're this good. This is who you are. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Like, I want people to know you like this. It's moves it from sort of a man-centered way of approaching the Bible to more of a God-centered way that I would humbly say is a more helpful question, not right or wrong, Mm -hmm. and a better question that's going to lead to all kind of hopefulness, expectation, buoyancy, shalom Mm -hmm. in our hearts. And I'll say this, Jamie, if God created us, if Psalm 139 is true, and it is God who knit us in our mother's womb, you've got a bunch of kids. I have a dog named Chester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's as we get to know him, we are getting to know us. Mm. Creation is learning itself in the face of creator. Mm. And so it's not that we're abdicating as I'm experiencing and interacting with the scriptures and I'm reading the Bible and it's showing me who God is. It is a reflector back to me because I'm made in his image. Mm. The Imago day. Yeah. And so rather than trying to get to know myself better in some humanistic way, Mm -hmm. as I read the Bible, I want to get to know the living God better. And in that, I'm learning who I am a little bit better. And again, it's showing me how I'm meant to show up in this world as a follower of Jesus. 
It's so good. And I think that we're all wanting to know that. How am I meant to show up in this world as a follower of Jesus? And to know that we can go to God's word and learn his character and fall in love with him and see ourselves reflected in that is a is a beautiful process that isn't it just such a joy and a gift that God gives us that? I mean, you know, like that is just so kind of him. You say in this book, which came out in October called Rediscovering Israel, which I highly recommend you guys, especially if this conversation, you're thinking like, oh, I want to know more historical context and background, pick up this book. But you say we are meant to live like rivers, not lakes. What does yeah. this mean? Oh, I love that imagery. So back to Israel, back to geography as theology, it kind of all comes back to that. You've got living water and you have dead water. Living water is moving water. It's stream water. It's, it's river water. Uh, dead water is sort of cistern water. And you think about how nasty cistern water is, water that just sits there. You have to boil it to even be able to use it. If you choose between dead water and living water, you're going to choose living water. Mm-hmm. And so there's this idea that is we're taking in the scriptures. It's not meant to sit in us like a cistern. Mm. No, the word of the Lord is on the move. As we take in the scriptures, we're meant to live more like a river with it, with it flowing in us and overflowing out of us that when people experience followers of Jesus, they are experiencing the word of God in us, the spirit of God in us, and the kingdom of God around us. They're experiencing these things. So I often tell my students at the college, the things that you learn, you'll know you've learned it when you can give it away. You've Mm -hmm. not learned Mm -hmm. it when You've not learned a thing when you've heard it. You've not learned a thing when you've seen and heard it. You've really learned a thing when you can give it away. So we want to live like rivers, not lakes. We want to be on the move, not sedentary. We want to be like that fresh, moving, living water, even in our lament, even in our grief. I'm not talking some, we're all going to live on the Mm -hmm. mountain all the time singing Kumbaya and life's never going to punch us in the throat because we've all been old enough that life has punched us in the throat. I'm talking in the grieving, in the disappointment, in the hurt, in the pain, in Mm -hmm. everything that crashed down and went wrong. We're still a people on the move. And so that's Mm. that imagery. We don't want to be like the Dead Sea in Israel, which is literally dead. Nothing can live in it. We want to be much more like the Sea of Galilee, taking in water from the Jordan River and the Jordan River flows out of it down to the Dead Sea. And so these images and these metaphors, when you spend a lot of time in Israel, you start to connect it to things that the Bible is talking about, that Mm. good theology is not pie in the sky. Good theology is always found on the ground right here with and among us. We are meant to know it, carry it, share it. And that's what I mean by living like a river and not a lake. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. 
Enjoy live music. Visit internationally recognized art museums and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now Travel Texas offers a one of a kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom visually led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. It makes me think of John 4 when Jesus has the encounter with the woman at the well and he offers her living water and and she wants the living water. She wants yeah. it. And then um, I have no idea if, if this is what it, what you're meaning by it, but when I think about how that living water, it's moving and you can give it away. And then it says in like verse 29 or whatever, and then she goes back to her village and tells everyone, I met this man. He told me everything. And it says, you know, so many came to follow him because of her testimony. And that's what it made me think of when you were talking about he's offered her something and then it came through her into her people. That's right. She was living like a she was living like a river. Something yep. that she experienced, she immediately went and gave it away. She didn't mm-hmm. hold it. Can you imagine that story, Jamie? If she just would have went home and no. said, "Man, that story goes on and talks about that entire village." Like this outcast becomes the missiologist of her mm-hmm. entire village. And scripture doesn't say this. I want to be clear here. Scripture does not say this. But when I read the Bible, I'm imagining it as somebody that spent so much time in the land. And so Jesus, as an observant rabbi, he's going from the Galilee down through Samaria to get down to Jerusalem at least three times a year for the major festivals, probably more. And in my imagination, Jamie, I don't know it for sure, but I imagine Jesus and his disciples stopping in ancient Sychar. That's the city. That's the village. That's the town. And John 4. And can you imagine if he cultivated a relationship with that village? You've Mm. got Jews and Samaritans. And Mm. all of a sudden they're offering hospitality to him and the disciples. And there's one of my questions for him when I get to heaven. I always joke that if the rapture comes, I'm going to grab my notebook full of questions. (laughs) And we're out of here. But one of the questions I want to ask Jesus or ask that woman is, Did was that the beginning rather than just like a story, a pearl that ends? Was that actually the beginning of Jesus coming through your village as he's moving from Galilee down to Judea? And like, what did that look like? You know, because mm. Jesus is a finisher. You know, we, mm. we call him the author and the finisher of our faith. And I just envision him you know, taking the time to just cultivate a relationship with her, with the people in that village, discipling them. Who even knows what that could have looked like? We don't think about how these stories in the Bible kept living. I mean, Lazarus is raised from the dead. Can you imagine being at his funeral and then you run into him at Publix the very next week? Right. And you're like, what in the world is going on? Mm-hmm. Like he was not only raised from the dead, he lived. Mm-hmm. Like. He's eating with people and going to synagogue and people are like, what is happening? Like right. these live on, they continue. It's yeah. so, it's, it's honestly, you know, so- I think that um, I, I bring up the chosen a lot and it's not even like I'm a massive chosen fan because I just don't watch a lot of TV. I, I think they're doing a great job. I just don't watch a lot. In fact, I always say chosen's my on the road show because I have it on my iPad. So I'll watch it when I'm on the road sometimes. But one of the things that I think the chosen TV series has done is it is it has helped people try to imagine what they're reading in scripture. 
for better or worse, we're not here to critique the shows, and I think they're doing a good job, but it doesn't matter. What I'm trying to say is it helps us put a little bit of life to what we're yes. reading, that's and right. I think that's been super helpful for people is to go like, oh, I could imagine these these group of disciples, men and women, following Jesus around because we see in season whatever – there's Jesus and these men and women are following him around and they're out in the middle of nowhere. And so I think it's, we're starting to see where people are starting to kind of hunger for that. I yes. see it in my own life is what I'm trying to say as well as I see them. Like I'm listening to you talk and I literally think, well, what, what would it take for me to just have you come on the happy hour every week? So I could just learn from you. I'm going, you just dig <laughs> up stuff and I just sit here and ask you questions. I'm like, this is great. Digging <laughs> digging and hauling. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, but I, I do want to ask you this. I didn't even know that we were going to talk about this, but and I think it's fine. Um, I, I would like to ask you just how, as someone who has visited Israel so much, and it is such a a deep part of your story and your life calling and the work that you're doing, I just would love to hear, like, how are you feeling after what's been happening the last couple of months in Israel? Like, what does that look like for you? I've never been there. So as much as I I grieve for what's happening for all of the people there, not just one set, for all the people, I still never set foot in that country or around there. So what is it like for you? Um, You know, October 7th was a very hard day. Um, I was in the Newark, New Jersey airport, actually getting ready to board my flight to go to Tel Aviv. I was going over to spend five weeks in Israel, um, taking two teams and then staying over for a little bit of rest. And my phone lit up and it said, Mm. your flight is canceled due to unrest in the region. And I started crying because as somebody who's been there for so many years, they never cancel flights. Mm. Um, Something has to be really bad. Um, and now we know just how bad October 7th was. It's likened to our 9-11. It's, mm-hmm. it's Israel's 9-11 in some ways. And so honestly, Jamie, I've been heartbroken. October, I think I was depressed. I mean, I went down. Um, I didn't grow up knowing how to lament or grieve. Um, therapy gave that gift to me. And I just needed to sit in the ashes, you know, and grieve and feel all of the feelings. Um, I'm still not all the way back right because it's not over. Um, and so just feeling all of that in a very real way, because it is very personal to me um, in a very personal way with the people, with the land, the heartache. Um, November, I started to feel a little bit uh, centered again. I would say in December, the Lord restored my soul. That's what Mm. it felt like. So here we are at the beginning of 2024. And now I'm starting to access my agency in it. It's like I've been grieving. I am lamenting. And now I'm like, okay, Lord, I want to be part of the solution. Mm. Whatever that looks like in this world, watchman on the wall, put me in the game, coach, you know, what's my part to play? Um, I'm trying to get back to Israel before I can take teams again, just to get over there. I just want to be in the land. I just want to go be a shalom and a blessing Mm. and an embodiment of the kingdom there. But it's been a very difficult, very difficult um, last three months. For sure. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I yeah. um, there's a handful of people that I know when I, and you were one that I thought of, and I have another friend Tara Lee who yeah. also visits Israel and has it's a special place to her. And so I thought about you guys and have thought about you guys since then. And so I look forward too to seeing that you get to get back over there. I know that will probably be healing as well, Christy. I like to ask all of my guests what they're reading these days. So. Yeah. I would imagine that you are a um, a reader. You yep. you're you're a teacher. You're a professor. All the things. And so, what are you reading these days? 
Um, the two that I'm really in right now that I'm biting down hard, that I'm digging in, as we've already said, to keep that metaphor. One is by a man named David Flusser, and it's called Jesus. And he was a scholar of the Middle East, taught in Israel for so many years. I've learned so much from him. I would highly recommend it. The other is by a man named Dwight Pryor, P-R-Y-O-R. And he wrote a book called Unveiling the Kingdom of Heaven. And it's all about what the kingdom of heaven looked like 2000 years ago when Jesus is talking about it. He talks so much about the kingdom of heaven. You know, we talk about what is Jesus's central message. He's traveling around the Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, talking about the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. That is what's on Jesus's mind. And so this whole book about it, even resurrected Jesus. I just read this the other day, Acts chapter one. Jesus not only raised from the dead, but he spent 40 days just walking around showing himself to people. Mm -hmm. And in Acts chapter one, it says during that 40 days, he was talking to them about the kingdom of God Mm. or the kingdom of heaven. So this is important for Jesus and whatever's important to him is important to us. And so I wanted to bite down on that book to get a better understanding of that ancient Jewish rabbinic sort of sage understanding of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that Jesus would have been talking about 2000 years ago to show me what it mm-hmm. looks like to start looking for and participating with him and seeing the kingdom come now. I love that so much. Uh, Christy, are you going to be at Kerygma again this year? Oh, I am. Yes, ma'am. Are you teaching? I am. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you guys here on the happy hour. I tell, I don't just say this because you're here, and I don't just say this to Lisa. Like, I literally say this to everybody. I attended this conference last year. I did not speak on a stage. I did not have a role. I did not interview anyone. I sat my butt in the seat and took a lot of notes. And it is one of my favorite conferences I've ever been to. I because I am a learner and it felt like a learning environment and not just, I mean, I'm on stage at environments where we're encouraging and we're teaching the Bible and stuff like that. This felt like let's learn something. And I loved it so much. And so I just want all of you guys here that are listening to know that Christy and I think that you should go to Kerygma. Absolutely. And can I just say, Jamie, like Lisa Harper, you know, she's the mother of Kerygma. Uh, She has birthed that in the earth. And I'm from the South. I'm from rural Mississippi, originally Bible Belt. And I've lived in Nashville, Franklin, Tennessee ever since then. I love the fact that Lisa set a feminine theological table in the Bible Belt. Love that. So if you're out there and you're listening today, we would love to have you here in Franklin, Tennessee. Church of the City is hosting it. It's about five minutes from my house. I would offer to cook for y'all, but I don't cook. (laughs) But it's going to be an amazing time. It's an amazing conference. These scriptures have always been meant to be in the hands of girls. Uh, say it again for the people in the back. I love it so much. Yeah. Okay, April, let me, I was getting the dates for you guys. It's April 25th through 27th. Again, highly recommend it. And now I'm I'm thinking I've been saying the name wrong this whole time. How do you say it? Kerygma. Kerygma. I've been saying yeah. Kerygma. That's okay. It, it's different. I mean, I'm Southern. So. Oh, okay. There we go. There we go. Uh, Christy, thank you so much for coming on the happy hour. And you guys, um, her her new book, Rediscovering Israel, A Fresh Look at God's Story in Its Historical and Cultural Context is out now. And you know, I just connected a bunch of dots. When did this book release? October 3rd of last year. Four That's days. the dots I just connected in my head. Yes. yes. 
Yeah, the timing, it's not lost on me either. I'm grounded right now and can't get to Israel. So the book feels like a way for me to bring Israel here. Wow. Um, for me. That is. And I and I, I just made that connection as we were chatting. So, Christy, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the happy hour. Thank you for having me. Blessings to you and your family, my friend. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell. And the show is edited by Jason Talley. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 